Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for today is from the gospel according to Mark chapter 5 verses 24 through 34, which you will find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 37 or on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. God, our helper, show us your ways and teach us your paths. By your Holy Spirit, open our minds that we may be led in your truth and taught your will. Then may we praise you by listening to your word and by obeying it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Beginning at Mark 5, verse 24. This is about Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, Jairus, a leader of the synagogue, had begged for Jesus to heal his little daughter. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. So... And a large crowd followed Jesus and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Well, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked around all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. We are thankful that this is the word of the Lord. Good morning. There we go. So the story of a woman who was desperate in her situation. Now we may not this morning feel like our situation is that desperate, but we all have in our lives what I call crud. Things that pop into our minds that bother us. They could be our own physical or mental issues, mental illness, or or that of our families, the anxieties, the issues that we deal with day to day, or those that we see those around us deal with. So many we know struggling with cancer, job loss, family issues. It can be really difficult, and somehow our minds always talk to us about these things at somewhere around 3 a.m. 
Has any of you found this to be true in your own life? If you sleep all night like a baby, God blesses you. But in any case, I found that around 3 a.m., our minds tell stories, sometimes about the worst that can happen. They paint scenarios of what's the worst. Or sometimes our mind launches truth bombs at us, things that have gone wrong that we have forgotten about since third grade, or things that we have decided to forget the things that we wish we hadn't said or we wish someone else hadn't said to us and those pop up at 3 a.m. I can't forgive myself or I can't forgive that other person. But in my experience, I feel like our minds lie at 3 a.m. They don't tell the whole truth, certainly. They tell us that we are not worthy that God can't love us in this situation, or that we're not fully forgiven by Jesus, and that is not the whole truth. We found in our story today, the story of this woman, that Jesus specializes in healing old wounds. Mark takes us to the crisis edge of human experience where only Jesus can make a difference. And this is one example where you can see the gospel writers sort of digging at each other. Mark makes a joke about Luke, who was a doctor, that this woman had spent all she had on doctors and no one could heal her. But Mark's main point is that he is building a case that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in Mark's gospel, which I commend to you to reread, Jesus has already shown that he is master over physical nature because he has calmed the sea. He is master over psychological nature. He has healed the demoniac. And now Jesus is showing his authority over sin and death and illness, including that which is incurable. So to look more closely at this passage, I found in my experience that art helps. So I've picked out two paintings of this scene. The first is by artist James Tissot. He painted 350 scenes from the New Testament. 150 of them are from the life of Christ. We can see here especially that the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. You may not even be able to find where Jesus is in this scene. And I think that this portrays that as the woman is reaching for Jesus, it's that moment when the pain of staying in the situation is worse than the pain of getting healed. We may be ready to follow after Jesus into that crowd. I hope so. Here's another painting, and I will send these to you in the e-news this week, but this one is more vivid And uh, a few things jump out. This is by Frank Wesley. The woman who needs to be healed, our story of the woman with the hemorrhage, is in the dark robe. And Jesus is the one with the glowing white robe nearby. Naomi Ray wrote a book about Frank Wesley called Exploring Faith with a Brush. She points out that the bright glow of light on the back of Jesus' shoulders direct us to his face, his radiant face. And he's moving away from us and from the crowd, but over his left shoulder, he's listening to those who are walking by his side. 
Maybe something like this might help you picture yourself being there, being in the crowd. The woman in the, in, suffering from the hemorrhage is the one cloaked in black. Her hand reaches out towards Jesus' shoulder tentatively, and it's backlit by the brightest spot in that painting. And Jesus is surrounded by all kinds of people with different needs. He seems to be walking off the page into darkness, but behind him the sky is gold. Others who are with Jesus are illuminated by his light. Only the woman who takes so much of his power into herself is shown in dark silhouette. Let's, close, let's take a close-up look of just her reaching out to Jesus. The canvas overall is incandescent with joy and life and hope, but she is not yet. This is that moment. I wonder if repainted five minutes later after she's been healed, if it would show the woman in white, released, lighter, almost floating off the canvas. But this moment emphasizes her struggle, her wound. It's that moment of need of first encounter. It helps us picture what it would have been like in the midst of a crowd to be so brave, so daring. You know, there's actually three stories in a row in Mark's gospel that include a surprise encounter with Jesus, a confession of futility of trying to manage something on our own, a show of Jesus' authority in response, and then a testimony of peace and awe at the difference Jesus makes. And I believe because there's three stories in a row, that's an overabundance. And it is to say that these stories are not just limited to what happened in the past or the pages of our Bible, that we are invited to join in the story as well. Let's take a quick look at those things. Surprise. In this case, it's almost a sneak attack by the woman. And as I think about putting myself in this story, I think that old wounds can do that to us. They jump us from behind and we jump others. Sometimes it's by frustration or bitterness. Sometimes it's just even by sharp or snappy words. I don't know if you've already ever done that, but I did it yesterday. I was frustrated about something else and snapped at someone and then realized I needed to apologize. Surprise. These things catch us by surprise, but the futility, especially of things that we have lived with for some time, can start to get to us. We hear those words, incurable, or whether they're true, we add those words to our problem. We believe that sometimes not only is it incurable, but it's our fault. It's personal, it's pervasive, it's permanent. We begin to think that our lives will always be affected by this. We can never get past it. In this woman's case, it lent itself to social isolation. She was not welcome in public, and she had tried everything she could. For us, too, our old wounds can do that to us. We can get used to them as they seem that they're always with us. The woman could get stuck there, but she uses the energy she has to find Jesus and reach out. And in these stories in Mark's gospel, we are invited to do the same because futility is a 3 a.m. lie. 
Instead, the story, wants, the story models for us that Jesus wants to attend to and heal old wounds as we are open. I was reminded of a college um, reunion that I had with my housemates. And the first night at dinner, one of my housemates who also works in a church as a director of children's, was going on and on, just bubbly, about how everything was great with her kids. Her high school and adult kids were perfect. They were behaving well. No shame on the family ever. They made good decisions. The church was growing like storm. And we all kind of looked at each other like, wow, that's quite a thing. And at 3 a.m., one of my roommates turned to me and said, huh, so we're not telling the truth this weekend, I guess. And we started to laugh, and we started to laugh and laugh because maybe her family's doing great, and I wish that on her. Although I know that's not quite the whole story. But the rest of us began to tell the truth about what we were really dealing with in our relationships, in our jobs, in our worlds. And the time that weekend opened us up. Now we have a text stream where we ask for prayer requests on a moment's notice. We also share highlights, like when someone's kids get engaged or when something happens. But we became better friends through opening up. So there's a difference between the 3 a.m. lies and the 3 a.m. friends. The 3 a.m. friends are the people that when something happens in the middle of the night, you could call. You could call if you needed help, or you could call when you needed someone to talk to. In many churches, small groups become a place to build those 3 a.m. friendships. And I hope for many of you that you have had a chance, an opportunity to do that. If you haven't, might consider reaching out in that way and seeing how you can become involved in a small group. Dan Chow and many others, Katie Ingle, work on those small group ministries. Can you think of someone who is your 3 a.m. friend? They could also be a family member. Well, scripture tells us it's also Jesus. So Jesus showed his authority. It was not just enough for him to heal. He wanted wholeness for the woman. So he interrupted that parade and said, who touched me? Jesus wanted to give her a personal encounter that she could become a full partner in healing and in faith. She lunged toward Jesus for help. She knew then that her body was healed. The Greek is e a o Let's see, I have to say this right. And so it actually means healed or healthed. She knew in her body she was healthed. Wouldn't that be interesting? What would that feel like if the thing that we have been carrying around, Jesus began to work on it with our permission, our cooperation, our partnership, and we realized that we were being healthed. But in the midst of this, it was not just an impersonal exchange. Jesus caught her. He said, who touched me? And so she threw herself at his feet. And note, she told the whole truth to Jesus then. That was part of our, her healing. I know that's difficult for us. As parents, we especially laugh sometimes or when we look back at our time as teenagers that we might only confess whatever we're caught out in and not one thing more. 
God invites us in our prayer confession, which is also a time of honesty with God and with ourselves, to really talk about what's going on. And Jesus doesn't rebuke the woman. After all, Jesus is the one who called the disciples to show reckless faith, to be brave, to be bold. The most significant thing in the story that we notice is that Jesus calls her a daughter. She's not an outcast. She's a daughter. Faith has made you well. And it's a reminder that we too are God's precious, beloved children. Jesus calls us daughters and sons. Even when our 3 a.m. minds are not telling the whole truth, healing is possible in Jesus. And then in the story, we hear a testimony of peace and awe. I know that some of you have experienced real healing in Jesus. And in this season, in this time of gratitude, we have the opportunity to share those words, perhaps on our tree or in your Thanksgiving table, around your table. Or we can share those words of praise. Jesus responds with three blessings to the woman. Your faith has saved or healed you. Go in peace and be cured of your disease. You see, I firmly believe that in the Gospels, progress and healing are not reserved for her only. There's three stories in a row of it to build our imaginations. We need healing too, whether it's something that others would say is small or whether it's something that has taken over our whole lives. Maybe something that we continue to bleed about even though we think that by ignoring that wound, it will go away. I believe that in Jesus, healing is possible personally as a faith community and for our neighbors. So personally, we have a friend who was in our wedding. He's a pastor in the Northwest. He works with people on the margins, the outcasts of our day. He has a podcast called Church Without Walls, a great episode called for The Forgiving Father, and Michael Wright says this, at some point, the pain of staying in the wounded space or situation is worse than the pain of moving forward. Pain keeps us from receiving and experiencing what is true, that God loves us, God forgives us, and those who've hurt us. Because remember, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus asked God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He tells his disciples that as we forgive, the Father will forgive. It's linked. That's scary to think about. Especially as we try to do it on our own. Just like the um, vows that we make when we baptize a baby that I pointed out last week. Our preamble to that is relying on God's grace. Do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach this faith to your child? So too with forgiveness, relying on God's grace. Are you open to the Spirit helping in the midst of this? The Spirit who can accomplish what we think is impossible with our 3 a.m. minds. And Michael points out that forgiveness is not letting the other person off the hook. Jesus took sin seriously. He took sin to the cross. Sin cost everything to Jesus. Jesus has taken care of it on our behalf. And so how do we join in? Michael explains, forgiveness removes us from sitting on the judge's bench and 
casting a verdict on another person. Or you could think that sin takes our hands off the other person's throat. It can bring healing for all of us. You may know that in reconciliation, the other party has to own up to the wrong done. But in forgiveness, that's not true. We can offer forgiveness. And it can be one-sided. It can be regardless. It can be healing for us regardless of their actions. And Lynn Button points out, forgiveness is the most powerful and least satisfying thing that Jesus calls us to do because we have to do it over and over and over. According to the gospel, Jesus asks us to do it 490 times in the gospel of Matthew. That'd be forgiving someone every day, in and out, for one and a half years. That's a long time. That's how long old wounds take to heal sometimes. It's a process, not only for the other person, but for ourselves. And as a faith community in transition of what do we need to let go? What old wounds are there in this space? It's an exciting time for some, but perhaps grief has resurfaced of things that are not the way that they used to be, or as you've come back perhaps after COVID and you realized that someone significant was not here with you, you may have strong emotions about staff leaving or perhaps the way a church has changed Some of us have lingering trust issues that I've heard about, old wounds that need to heal. And I encourage you to work to open yourself to the spirit on those too. Here's a practical way to work on those lingering things for which we would love to announce that all is healed and we are grateful, but we are realistically not there yet. This is called the open hand prayer. Have any of you heard of this or tried it? You may have even taught it to kids at one point. Think about what needs healing. Think in your mind about grasping it in your hand. And pray in your mind's eye about opening it up to God, giving it to God. Raise your hand, release it to God, and see what God can do with this. I encourage you to try this prayer practice this week. Perhaps even as you think about how you are grateful. Take it a step further and think about the ways for which you need to open to open what's going on to God, to give you forgiveness, to give another forgiveness. Oftentimes what we do with our bodies and with our voices is more powerful than what we just do in our minds. That's why it's worth coming down to make a statement and to bringing up your leaves, to use your hands to ask God to work in you for what you need. I know when I open my hands, I become more engaged in what God is doing in and through the world. Have you experienced that, perhaps when giving to others? So look again, who is Jesus in this story? Jesus is a healer, one with all God's authority and power. Our God in Jesus Christ is one who meets our most difficult needs who heals our biggest wounds. 
who reminds our 3 a.m. selves that it is not telling the whole truth. In this picture of God revealed in Jesus Christ, does our God look like or sound like one who is willing to let us stay stuck, wounded by long ago hurts or sin in our lives, or to let us go on suffering from past trauma or abuse we've endured? As they call it, keeping score in our bodies. Is our God willing to let us waste our talents or because of doubt or worry, keep ourselves from reaching out? Or more practically, to be bound by sin, struggles with alcoholism or addiction, or perhaps to opt out of interaction with others because we are wounded. Out of loving deep desire and healing and wholeness, Jesus wants to recreate us like he did the woman so that we can share our healing with others. Are we ready to get rid of those wounds, to seek healing, to get rid of the crud that piles up in the corners of our lives? Jesus invites us to come to him, just as the woman in our passage raced toward, lunged at, sought out Jesus, and then told him the truth. They partnered together in healing her old wounds. With Jesus, fresh healing is possible. Perhaps I can't convince you, but the Spirit can. Let us pray. God, all the things that we have clenched in our hands, in our hearts, in our bodies, we ask by your Spirit that you give us some time today or this week to think about what is grasped tightly in our fists, what perhaps is keeping us from being grateful. And so we ask that by your Spirit, you will help us open our hands in release to you, even now. And we thank you that you do take all those things into your heart and that you are the one that works healing. We're so thankful. Amen.